The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. We're really glad you're with us. Uh, we've got, there it is. Uh, there's the intro. There, there is, there's the, the intro. Same one now that we I could do, podcast. I guess, right? I, now I, we could podcast. We, we, we've cha- here's the thing. We've changed the, the musical opener. Now at some point we need to morph your opener. But your opener is just kind of it's like a warm blanket. It's like the podcast can start now. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I love it. Well, truly, welcome back. And uh, we are growing like crazy, which is great news. And happy yes. to have you along for the ride because we've got a, f- a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're here to talk about cars, even though we, we uh, have a few divergent moments and, we do uh, drift, yeah. We do drift around in other topics, that's true. You're saying we drift cars or we drift topics? What do we drift? That happens occasionally as well, but less on camera than people would like. But yes, true. Uh, but I'm actually just talking about us being all over the map on topics. If you've heard this podcast for five minutes, you've noticed that it's mostly cars, and then one of us, probably me, goes on a rant. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any rants for us today? I don't. I don't actually have any major rants today. I have. I have one. In as we talk about some news that's happening, I have one that I want to ask a "what the heck is going on" question. But, uh, but we'll get there. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see if we can poke around and find something, at least something, you know, because you know, life is boring without having something to rant about, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> All right, Hamad in Virginia. He is uh, a longtime listener and fan. Thank you for writing. He is yep. car debate number one for this podcast who is replacing a wrecked 500-horsepower Mitsubishi Evo. Now, Todd has told me that he has wrecked this car, but he has been talking to us for and, and communicating with us for how many years now? Three, four, Co- five? A couple years trying to, because Hamad just got out of the Army. We'll get into this further, but he just got out of the Army, and he'd been building this car as his fun car for a while. And uh, we were trying to coordinate. He really wanted us to do it as a fast blast because obviously we like the Evo, and he really wanted us to get into something that had been clearly tuned within an inch of its life. And unfortunately, it's been totaled now. We'll tell you the full story. So that car's out, so he's going, well, that car's done. What do I get next? So that'll be a fun car debate for sure. Well, we're sorry to hear it's dead. I hope you can get at least some money for it or pull some parts off it or, yeah, part it out. But otherwise, we're bummed we didn't get in that car, but we're happy to make some more recommendations. He is a full-time yeah. college student at George Mason University, so shout out to the East Coast, and uh, happy to have you along, as I said. And Definitely. keeping with that East Coast theme, we have Stephen out in North Carolina. He's 22, mm-hmm. and he writes to us that he is looking for a used supercar. Now, we will have to <laughs> define what he means by supercar, because that kind of means we'll something see. different to everyone. We'll see, yeah. But agreed, uh, agreed. he owns a SEO slash web, do- web design business, but he also has a job in IT, in healthcare IT, so he's got a lot of hats that he wears. And uh, I'm thinking about, you know, what is a, a president and a CEO drive? It doesn't matter your age, <laughs> but supercar can mean anything. So I'm excited to yeah. s- discuss this, and I feel like I've, feel like I've hit on something here. I want to explore. I found a couple cool ones. I, I'm looking forward to talking about it as well. I wanted to bring up a couple things that are happening in the news right now, though. And but before that, even I should I should actually kind of tease us, because we just had an experience this past weekend, and 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 you've actually 
traveled already. You're you're far away from where we normally record the podcast. So if yes. you're noticing any differences in audio quality, that is the reason because Paul's on kind of a remote setup. But uh, just yesterday, we had a ridiculous realization before you left town because we've got the first review of your uh, Cayman GTS coming up uh, this week, in fact. And uh, we've had that car. Obviously, it's been right under our noses since you got it delivered to you in May. And we hadn't shot the interior of the car yet because we kept thinking, well, you know, we'll get around to shooting when we need it, and we've got a couple pieces for it. And then all of a sudden it dawned on us yesterday, the day before you left, the day before, and, and the week of needing this piece, we haven't shot the interior yet. We really ought to do that. And then in the course of doing that and me going through footage, we realized we hadn't shot our car-to-car footage either. <laughs> so suddenly yesterday became a last-minute shoot for the two of us. But we had a ridiculous experience, and that is – there's a funny thing that happens on all of our shoots, and if you haven't been on one, you wouldn't know this, obviously. But if you look at our car-to-car shots, which is the camera is in motion, the camera's rolling either in front of or right behind the vehicle, uh, there's a lot of weird filmmaking uh, sleight of hand that happens there. The biggest one is, yes, you could be way behind that car with the lens zoomed in, but the problem is when you zoom a lens in, it gets it it it. it is more sensitive to vibration. Sure, so it introduces in, the shake into the lens. Yeah, the more telephoto you are, the more aware of shake it is. Now, it's shaking the same amount it does when you're full wide angle. It's just the wide angle lens hides it better. So that means you've got to go wide angle lens and get the cars close. And we're always a lot closer than the lens suggests, and that's the reason why. But uh, what's funny is now when we have a private owner car, we put them in the passenger seat, and Paul's driving following me. We get much closer than that owner's ever been to another car. But yet, Paul and I have been doing this so much now. And I'm going to, I'm going to, here's my rant. I'm going to go on a side note, and that is look. I knew there was a rant in there somewhere. Oh, of course. You, you, you've met me. But here's the thing we don't claim to be race drivers, not in any way, shape, or form. There are so many things we need to learn about track stuff. What's hysterical, though, is we are really, really good at precision driving, cars moving together at very close proximity because we've done it forever. Right. To the point that right. now you and I have stopped talking to each other. We used to have radios and, like, lots of radio <laughs> chatter about this is how fast I'm going, this is what I'm doing right now. Now you and I do it. It's, it's like a tomb. It's just, it's just full <laughs> silence tomb. and cars moving feet off of each other's bumper. And, and I think the owners get even more nervous because we don't say anything. <laughs> and so yesterday we had a real challenge for you because we took out the Cayman GTS to get a, to get a follow shot, you following the Cayman GTS. But the camera vehicle was your Jeep. So we literally had both your cars. Your whole garage was out in motion at yeah, close proximity. We had the opportunity to wreck both your cars and one in one sitting, which would have been awesome. But yet we got out to the location and realized we didn't even bring radios. Oh, and you didn't have a phone. So no. now we had no way to communicate. It was just like, well, we know how to do this. So we had the world's most silent camera shoot yesterday, and it worked out great. That was funny. That was just enjoyable, and we're so used to doing it. And you've told me, because we have our roles. We've, mm -hmm. we've taken up our roles in terms of who's yeah. driving what car. And again, like you said, we've done it for so long, we know exactly what we're doing. The mm -hmm. owners have no idea what they're in for. <laughs> and they've been yes. taught their whole life by driver's ed and by everybody, don't get so close. Don't get so close. Yeah. That, that's what causes yeah, yeah. accidents. Todd and I are a foot away at speed. Yeah. And, yeah. and that has caused in me, when I rent cars and I take other people in cars and drive around, <laughs> people have no idea what my comfort zone is like because they're, yeah, well, they're 15 it's totally yards skewed. from the car. It's totally skewed. Well, but, like, what but, but I will also say the Come reason on. that we do it is because we are the only two cars on the road where we shoot. Yep. That's part of it. Yeah. 
And we're the only two cars going that direction. And we are moving in unison. The problem with you can't do this in traffic because you don't know what the other person's doing. You and I know exactly what the other person's doing at right, all times. Right. A, a, to the point, obviously, clearly now we're not even talking about it. So we subconsciously know. It's very, it's very weird. I will fully acknowledge. But <laughs> we just know we know how to get this done, and we know where the cars need to be location-wise, and and speeds that work, and all of this kind of stuff. We just know it, and we've done it so much. But it's just hysterical that now we've done it not only in silence, but yesterday we didn't even have a way to communicate. <laughs> Edgar, our L.A.-based photographer, asked me on one of our last shoots, he said, what is the best follow footage you guys have done so far? Meaning the camera oh, yeah. is following the rear of the car. And I said, yeah, buddy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is hands down when I was driving his GTI chasing the yellow and red Acura NSXs that we had. Yeah. We had four guys in his GTI. <laughs> I was almost redlining the car in third gear, hanging out behind you at yep. 60 miles an hour, something like that. And I was yeah. eleven or twelve inches off your bumper, maybe less. You were, you were, you were really close, and everybody in the car with you was horrified. And you were just trucking along, like trucking what? along. This is normal. GTI right? is camera vehicle, and and it's some great looking footage. There, there's a there's a rear shot yeah. of that yellow NSX in that NSX piece, where it's coming up into a big. It comes up in a big reveal, and you can kind of see the world going off and a hill going off. That's the section we're talking about. We just we got it into post and went. Wow, that works good. Yeah. Also, there's some great stuff in mid engines and mountains as well. Yeah, we got some shots of the Cayman and the uh, and the four C in mid engines and mountains that are some of the ones I'm most proud of, just by, based on location and also we shot end of day. Uh, and that's the same kind of thing. That was a minivan, uh, that Honda Odyssey piece you may have seen. That was that minivan following. Oh, yeah. Right. But yeah, it's following close. And it's funny, Tom, our our European correspondent, saw us do it and was like, "What on earth are you doing, getting that close?" And it's just about. <laughs> You know, working that that lens to get as little vibration as possible means you've got to go wide, which means you've got to get close. Yeah. Well, it's, then it's you know we'll look at the footage and everybody goes, oh right, you got to be close. Mm -hmm. Look how good that looks. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. it was funny yesterday. We're looking forward to sharing that piece, and that will be the first long term piece for the Cayman GTS. Everyone, this is uh, and that this is the new baby, yeah. and, uh, and that's, that's going to be really cool. And I'm going ahead and I'm teasing the fact that something we've also shot is we've shot because, of course, Paul bought the GTS while waiting for his M2. So we got an M2 and put it with the GTS because we just thought, all right, let's just let's just shoot Paul's future garage and talk about which one's better and why. So that's coming up. But before that, we do have this uh, this long term piece. That'll be cool. So, yeah, we've we've riffed on that for a while. There are two news pieces that I wanted to talk about. Both of them are in kind of the WTF category. One is. <laughs> Well, seriously, one is there's there's been a Wrangler pickup hinted forever, teased forever. Well, apparently first spy shots are out. I've seen the thing in spy shots. Now, spy shots never really tell you what the final one looks like, but I have to ask the question, do we need this? I, I just because it, because the the spy shots are four door but pickup bed on a Wrangler, and I'm just going Okay, but if you take the back pieces off of your current four-door Wrangler, you kind of have a pickup feel. I realize this is different. I think we all have kind of a nostalgic icon, Jeep icon idea about what a, a pickup Jeep's going to look like. It's going to be the coolest thing ever. I just, I don't know. The pickups have become so luxurious and yet usable. I just, I'm wondering about where this fits. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to sell them faster than they can make them, but it just seems like a, I'm not sure who this is for. Well, possibly. There's a website called starwoodmotors.com. You are probably familiar with this. And Shocking. They do you know Project a website. Jeeps. Yeah. They do mm -hmm. Jeep Wrangler conversions at the highest level. I mean, these are the guys who are already doing this, and you've probably mm -hmm. thought of this. 
There might be a few others, but Starwood is probably the best known and probably one of the best conversion Jeeps out there doing the pickup thing. And you can go to them mm. and order this already. Gosh, they've got uh, the Nighthawk and the Yellow Jacket and El Diablo and all these versions <laughs> of the Jeep that they make, which are, some of them are pretty over the top, some of them are kind of interesting. But they're a huge team, and they already kind of do this. And I wonder if Jeep went, huh, well, you know, maybe we should actually start with a model, and maybe there's a lucrative business there. I mean, they don't have, really, the pickup kind of look yeah. to it. And that's what everybody likes. I'm just, I'm saying I, I think there might have been a business decision there, and they're thinking, well, of course like, there was. Of yeah, course there was. we could make money yeah. off this. So, no, I mean, very. You, you know, and we joke about it all the time, I mean, you know that there was much marketing discussion and much market oh, research, sure. and I'm sure that they, they focused group this until they all wanted to, to blow their brains out. So, uh, you know, I'm sure all that was done. All that was done, and they've decided that they will sell enough that it makes it makes sense. I just, I don't know, I wonder. And I also wonder, These are not, none of these are things we know yet, but what chassis is this on? Did they take, like, the Dodge Ram chassis and put a, you know, make it a Jeep? I mean, I'm just oh, really curious well, to know what the, the story is, because I, or or did they take the, the standard four-seat Wrangler and just put a long bed on it and just extend it. I who knows? Very curious. I'm just looking forward to the Hellcat Jeep. You know, the one where they keep yes. blowing diffs, and you know, we can mm -hmm. really understand why that is. Because uh, well, but but yeah. I can actually see that more. I can see the Hellcat Jeep Cherokee. You know, because they've had really? the Cherokee SRT forever. I can I, that that at least there's at least. Uh, do I think it makes sense? Of course, I don't think it makes sense. But but the history of the that Cherokee has always had like an SRT version. That has been well. Here's my super fast Cayenne, currently being passed by a Jeep. I mean, that, that's that's <laughs> well, existed, okay? I mean, and so I, I don't think look, it's got a place in the market at all, to be honest. And I, I drive I, a Jeep. But, I know, but I think the people that have always liked those SRT Jeeps would love to have a Hellcat Jeep. And I, I think guess. there's also a segment of people out there that are intrigued by the 707 horsepower monster but don't want the Challenger body style and don't want to drive a big sedan, but they drive it in an SUV form. I think that that I can actually see even more than the, than the pickup Jeep personally, but who knows? We'll see. I just, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> four-wheel burnouts. Everybody's going to try it. They're going to continue to blow their differentials out through the bottom oh, of yeah, the car. Oh, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, there's gonna, the, the amount of <sighs> reinforcement that's going to require. But hey, I'd, I, hey, I'd like to see it. I'd like to drive it. Speaking of the what is the heck is going on here category we're living in, did you see what's happening with the 911R? Yeah, and I'm also seeing a lot of journalists who have gone to Germany to drive it and uh, feeling insane jealousy. But uh, sure. yes, I, I am looking well, but, at this right now, as look, a matter of look, fact. Look, here's, here's the thing. Everything we know about the 911R sounds like a yes please car i mean just just when can we have one how long can we have it for why isn't this in my life everything we know about oh, it absolutely. you know it's it, you know that sounds amazing and that's what other journalists that we know are, are saying about it and that's cool and all and they're talking about making i think it's 991 because it's 991 911 991 of them or whatever i get it but what's shocking me is they're now they've been all bought and accounted for or they they are at least allotted People are now selling their cars for over a million dollars. I can't believe so, that. I just, I mean, we were already astounded by the fact that people are selling the GT3 RS for a quarter million dollars to $300,000, okay? Which is not what they cost. It's almost double what they cost. This is the better part of 10 times what these cars cost. 
because the 911R is che- it's cheaper than the GT3 RS if I'm not mistaken. Like stock, just the actual you know manufacturer price is like in the 150 range. So I one one apparently has been listed for 1.3 million. Now let me put that in perspective. You could find a 918 cheaper. I, I'm struggling. Uh, I'm struggling with what the heck is going on. Nine one eights are still way up there, but I feel like if you're gonna if you're ready to shell out that kind of money, you better be buying a nine one eight. I I cannot get over that. And the only reason is speculation and people just want it. I've watched mm-hmm. Matt LeBlanc's mm-hmm. Top Gear UK review of this car. It made me want it even more. Oh yeah. And every he put review it in I've the camp seen of, makes me want it. This is yeah. just a driver's car, but I don't need to chase mm-hmm. the top track speed. We've got the other car for that, the GT3 RS with the same motor. This is, yeah. you back off and you just enjoy it, but everything is still there. And it's yeah. a genuine 200 mile an hour car. That's astonishing to me. Manual transmission. I mean, it's, it, it is it is a greatest hit. It's, it's Porsche going through their catalog and going, let's just make one for fun. I mean, and it's and it looks amazing. Everything about it looks amazing. I wouldn't get it with stripes, but I realize that's part of the point. That's part uh, of but, the deal. You can't. I don't know uh, that you can. Maybe you can. Yeah. Well. Anyway. But um, yeah. I just. I'm sorry. As as much as we have loved on Porsche, I and as much as people like to speculate, this is the thing about Porsches I don't get, especially 911s. I don't get it with old 911s. I don't get it with this 991. Uh, you know this 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 R. I, I just. I'm sorry, but. Half million, million dollars for these cars. At that point, if I had that kind of money, there are other things I'm buying. Not taking a well, thing away from the yeah. 911, but you're into such competition. At a million dollars for a 911R is seriously in the category of you've lost your mind. Your 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 bank account now has more intelligence than your actual brain. <laughs> well, you know what the problem that it's done? A car that it was created specifically for driving pleasure has turned mm-hmm. into something that will sit forever because of the mm. speculative value of that car. It will yeah, that's never the tragedy there. get right. driven You're at right. that point. A car that's designed yep. to extract yeah. the most out of driving has now been relegated to sitting yeah. because of, well, i got to keep it for the next owner, and i got to make money off it, and i got to... I'm a huge Porsche fan, and that's a mm-hmm. tragedy mm-hmm. to me to think... You're right. These that is the really sad part here. Will sit. That is the really sad part. Porsches yeah. in general yeah, yeah. are garage queens. They are. Porsches need yeah. to be driven. They like to be driven. They get better when they're driven hard. I, yeah. I, I'm on my third Porsche. I kind of know this. <laughs> I'm on my third <laughs> Porsche. To, again, There's the T-shirt of the podcast, right? <laughs> oh, we need to start uh, making a list of T-shirts about the podcast. To... <laughs> and this, this, this week's podcast, the T-shirt is "I'm on my third Porsche," and then the back says "Everyday Driver," <laughs> and, and everybody goes, "How do those equate?" But anyway, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't mean to. You know, I wasn't trying to. You know, no, but, but, or but you but you prove Just... a point. Well, but you've bought all yours well. But the, the, you're absolutely right. There is that tipping point when a car that you have is now worth so much you don't want to drive it anymore. And I'm sorry, at that point, that's a tragedy. I, I, and this, this 911R is one, but there are many others, and that's just really, really too bad. I mean, it's up there with, you know, when you see a Ferrari, do you look for the, the rock chips and the mud splatter? And you think, if you found that on a Ferrari, you'd think, well, pff, great. This owner's actually out there enjoying it. You, you and I would think that. People that buy Ferraris are taking $10,000 off per rock chip they're because they're buying to speculate for whatever. But 
drive your car, drive your car, drive your car. I don't know another way to say it. I just, <laughs> I just come on. I mean, I'm all for if protecting it with the film, yeah. the protective film and whatever. I'm all yeah, for that. Of course, of course. That just yeah. costs you money if you don't, but well, drive heck, I've got, the thing. You know, I've got a tiny little not worth anything, no chance, it's, nobody's speculating it's ever going to go up in value FRS, and yeah, it bums me out when I get a rock chip. It yeah. does. But at the same time, I'm loving driving the car, so I got a rock chip, and that's just life. That yeah. that happens. At least you're you know, living your I, life, and you're out there driving it, and you know, I know and, it's a $20,000 car. It's a $20,000 car. I get it. I get it. You have a $200,000 car, you get a rock chip, you're going to be much more bummed, but hopefully you put a, put a clear bra on that before that happened. But but either way, I just I, I it makes me sad. Awesome cars that don't get driven, it just in general makes me sad. I mean, we've, we've talked to a few owners of late. We got in a BMW E30 uh, not that long ago, and that was one of those cars like the 993 uh, Porsche that are just escalating in value. Another mm-hmm. owner with a 993 Turbo that he's really, I mean, and he's a, he's a car guy, but he's really debating, should I stop driving that car? And he's debating yeah. it because it's gone yeah. up in value so much. That's a tragedy. It really is. So anyway, this, this 991R, we're off into the weeds, but I'm sorry, over a million dollars, I just I can't make that make any sense in my head. We should try to do some car debates. Well, I was going to say, uh, quasi reality. It, it could be my turn to wrench us towards the car debate. You usually are the yeah. one that uh, you know says, "Hey, let's uh, actually debate some yeah. cars here." Maybe it's. My I'm turn. just. I'm lost in the weeds. I'm lost in the weeds. <laughs> no, it's yeah. all good. Well, Hamad in Virginia uh, about this wrecked 500 horsepower Evo, man. So wow. uh, he is 27. He has a one-year-old. Congratulations mm-hmm. on being a new father, and thanks for your service. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, definitely. He has gotten an honor, honorable discharge and uh, rocking the Recaro, Recaro car seat, however you guys want to say it. Yep. Listened to the podcast for a long time and, as, uh, as we mentioned, has offered that 500 horsepower Evo to us to drive. And we have never gotten a chance to go do that. And we're kind of mm-hmm. sorry it's gone. But he is writing to us asking about what's next. His life has changed. As we mentioned also, he's a full-time college student out at George Mason University. And kind of wondering about, well, that thing was becoming a money pit anyway. Uh, it it might have been a money pit in the in the sense that it didn't need those mods. You just kind of didn't really have anything <laughs> else to throw money to. And now you have but, a one year old. So guess where yes. all your money's going, my friend? Well, and his his. It, it got wrecked. I also want to clarify, this didn't get wrecked because of Hooning. His wife was driving it and got T-boned. Thankfully, yeah. she's okay. Yeah. Thankfully, Great the point. one-year-old son was Great not point. with her at the time. This was a tragedy of traffic. This was not a tragedy of I tuned it and I wrecked it and I put it around a telephone pole. Nothing of the kind. This car was hit and killed, which is really too bad. Hamad, I'm glad your wife is uh, is safe and your son is safe. But uh, But, yeah, you're going, okay, all right. You're in college now. You're a family man. Um, you don't need a 500 horsepower uh, <laughs> sedan <laughs> to accomplish your life's needs at this point. Could that yeah, be a exactly. T-shirt? I don't need 500 horsepower. I need 493. Yeah. But I don't yeah, exactly. Need... At least 400, but less than 500. I mean, let's be realistic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've actually thought. I mean, you've kind of thought about the obvious thing: is should you just get an STI? You've never had an STI. It's similar. You might not mod the next one, which. I don't believe. If you had a 500 horsepower Evo, <laughs> you're going to mod the next one. Uh, but anyway, you've said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to mod this. I'm going to call you a liar. But um, but a two, you're talking about getting an STI and uh, listed the vehicles that you've owned, but you're really asking us, okay, $45,000 is your max, which we'll try to be good about that. It's going to daily drive, but you may take it to the track as well. 
must have four doors. That's mm-hmm. your reality has dawned moment. And honestly, you were going to get to a place where that Evo, as we've joked before, wasn't going to have enough trunk space anyway. So in that regard, you're better off. But um, So $45,000 has to have four doors. You don't care rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. You'd prefer manual, but you're even uh, willing to... to uh, go with that, and you've also said your wife sounds awesome, by the way, because she has an FRS that she loves. So you have a fun little two door <laughs> rear wheel drive. Of course, you like her. You'd like her well, if she didn't. But no, but that's cool. But that's awesome because look, your two car garage was an Evo and an FRS, and your wife drove both. Bring that on. All right. Your son's in a Recaro child seat. That's a pretty good, good enthusiast life right there. So let's right. get you a better car. Well, you all have to hear the uh, the list of cars that Hamad has owned in his life here, starting with a 99 Civic Si up mm-hmm. to an Integra GSR, which we have driven also. Mm-hmm. Honda Prelude, Acura RSX, Type S. You've owned a 3000 GT VR4. Yeah, cool. I saw a Dodge Stealth the other day, like the full-on, the, that car, the, the sister oh, car yeah. to that yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where has that car been? It was perfect mm-hmm. and pristine and parked by the road for sale. I thought, huh, wonder how much those are worth. Maybe I might have well, it on yeah, me. Park, parked it, by the road. Change. Did it run, though, was Search the question. Your, but anyway, your seat for loose change. You might be able to buy it. No, yeah. uh, what else? Eclipse GSX from 1997, then a 94 240SX, 2006 Nissan 350Z, then he moved to an mm-hmm. Acura TL, so that was a... I think a little bit more of a uh, the, well, but that's adult the 08. Car. That was like the last, but that was the last of that body style we love. Oh yeah, true. Early two thousands body style and the Type S. That's a great car. Yeah, it is. And then finally, the dead twenty twelve Evo ten GSR mm-hmm. manual transmission, which is a car we love. But I was kind of thinking in the. Uh, you know, kind of welcome more to fatherhood and growing up and adulthood and all that jazz of something that sure. is still, the beast is still lurking within, but it's still, uh, it's more reserved, I guess reserved in terms of style over the Evo. I guess anything past an Evo is reserved, right? The giant <laughs> wing. You, the, 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 the graph kind of only goes one way I after the so. Evo, but I take your point. 59 yeah. Cadillac DeVilles look reserved in comparison to an yeah, exactly. Evo. Exactly. Well, especially if you have that big wing. I mean, yeah, I actually kind of leaned more toward, okay, let's get a, a true family sedan. Yeah. But yeah. yet it's got some real personality, character, and hopefully some decent handling prowess. I stuck with that kind of stuff. And I'm sorry, one of you's already saying it, and of course I have to say it. So I'm going to go ahead and say it, <clears throat> Chevy SS. Oh, I, I, we have recommended that car so much I didn't think of it. Honestly. For, I'm sorry. I'm, for, for, so I'm sorry, 45K? Manual, four doors, want to have some fun with it, need to carry the family. I'm sorry. Look, I've got other options, but I have to say the obvious. There it is. That is the obvious. You're right. You're right. At first, I was thinking that he is a ripe customer for a Ford Focus RS. But then I thought that that is still in the vein of the Evo. It's still in keeping with Agreed. that theme. And I, just, I had the same kind of line of thinking. I keep going. Keep I'm going. not seeing it, I guess. And 45000 mm-hmm. is a healthy budget to work with. That is a yeah. great budget. So as you said, rear-wheel or all-wheel drive, manual, preferable, but dual-clutch might be good also, which got me thinking about the only car that I'm sticking with. Okay, all right. It's the E90 M3. I had a feeling. I don't see German yeah. cars anywhere on this ownership list. I see yeah. a constant yeah. stream of Japanese cars... 
which are mm -hmm. fantastic, mm -hmm. obviously, incredibly reliable, yep. fun to mod. I think that's been the vein. I, I don't know. I'm kind of maybe disagreeing a little bit about if he's going to mod stuff or not on his next car because he's a who father. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? And you I may think be right. It, if you're not, it's got to be something that's got a, you know, a lot of style, more reserved in terms of, you know, it's a little bit more refined, still aggressive and good looking. You can mm -hmm, get the dual clutch, mm -hmm. you can get the manual, $45,000. Well, I've got a litany of cars for you to choose from. You yeah, can take it yeah. to the track, four doors, on and on and on. I I can't see a reason not to go get yourself an E90 M3 for that price. I, that's actually on my list. Here, here's the thing. I want to clarify the tuning thing. When he says I may get an STI, I think you're going to tune that STI. You right. put him in an E90 BMW, I see him leaving that alone. I kind of agree. I just think, I agree. I just think that, that STI would get tuned. But I... You, that's the other obvious. I did Chevy SS. You did E90 BMW. These are the greatest hits cars in this category. And we are huge fans of that E90 four-door uh, M3. You can get them all day long for this price. The four-doors are not nearly as common as the coupes. And both of us, I think, prefer the four-door to the coupe, even though the coupe is awesome. It and is. I would oh, say yes. Yes. that the manual, we've driven that car many times with the DCT, but the manual for that car for me is a whole just a totally different world of car. I love that car with the manual. So I think that's an obvious. And, I, and that kind of leads into the, the thinking I was having, and that is I wanted to just stray from anything he's had, any kind of brands that's and style I, that he's had. I was thinking yeah. the same yeah, thing, yeah. and I thought, what's missing on this list? Aha, European cars. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I thought of three others, and I don't know if I like any of them as much as the two we've already mentioned, but okay. they are in that category of different. They fit your criteria. They are very different. They're not common. And they are different life experiences for you. And they would all be interesting to drive. Four-door, all the things we're talking about. Alpha Julia. I'm not sure when the lower versions come out on that. Mm. But an Alpha Julia, okay. why not? Okay? Totally different style, feel, interesting interior. I, I actually really like the interior on that car. It wouldn't be the uh, quadrifolio. It would be the it wouldn't, lower. It wouldn't be the big 500-horsepower monster, but, right. but we're, right. we're walking away from that anyway. But, but I've always said I want to drive the base of that, the one that will be you know 300-ish horsepower. That's not going to be a dud. I'm just very curious about the car. So Alpha Julia, you may not be able to wait that long. That may be the other problem. Audi A6 or A7. Very adult like, cars, yes. But you already like all-wheel drive. They are classy. They have style. They are good to drive. You've had an Acura TL before, which so I kind of wanted to put that on the list. And then I thought, no, 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 no. Let's go Audi. Hmm. The TLs, the current TLs, I don't like the look of them as much, but their super handling all-wheel drive is pretty great, I have to admit. So, super duper extra, now with an extra scoop. Exactly. Now with an extra scoop of super handling all wheel drive. Yeah, exactly. But that? but that made but that made me think Audi. I don't think the Acura is off the table, but it made me think Audi A6 or A7. You should go drive those. And then I have a completely where has this car been? Random wild card too. I don't know that it works. It, well, it works based on the list. Okay. I don't know that it can win. Curious. Buick Buick Regal GS. Huh. That's out there. All wheel drive. Four-door, surprisingly good handling. The one you, you and I drove forever ago was actually front-wheel drive. They're now all-wheel drive. We did That's drive a, that car. You, you don't see them coming and going. They are surprisingly agile because it's, it's, a, it's a rebadged Opal. I mean, the, the chassis dynamics on it are really good. 
They're pretty cool looking. I, look, I don't like the Regal in the lower hmm. lower uh, settings, but the GS is pretty cool looking. Not common. I know I'm way off in the weeds of wild card territory here. I'm, I'm, I'm like in the part. I'm going to go with a baseball analogy. I'm in the part of the field they didn't bother to mow. That's how far off in the left field I am. What are you doing okay? talking about sports? What are you doing? I know that I'm going I'm to break something here in a in minute. The van here. I mean, yeah, exactly. Because I'm about doing. about to screw this up. But uh, but Buick Regal GS just it's it's a it's an oddball in this category. I don't know that mm. any of the ones I've listed are better than the the top two, the SS and the E90 BMW. But I wanted to give you options, Hobbit. So there you go. You know, that makes me think of the Ford Taurus SHO, because if we're going yes. there, yes, I was trying to think of cars that are more of a transition car. That M3 is, is still going to have the fire within. You know what I mean? It if is. you oh, really absolutely. get on no. it, you're going to find the things in it that you love about the Evo. It's in a far mm-hmm. more refined package, Yeah. but you can also kind of putter around in it and use it as a family sedan. And you can enjoy yeah. just let's go out to cruise or whatever. Totally you do. agree. It's totally not a agree. The, fully stripped down racer, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. a it's an in between car from there to, a, gosh, maybe a Chevy SS or a Charger or something. I, I still feel like it's got some more fire in its belly. But then if we're going further than that, then you could yeah. consider an SHO. But that's a bigger, heavier, still loads of power. Well, I wonder about that. That's what is that? What are they calling it? The, the new fusion they're talking about with 350 horsepower all-wheel drive. I forget what the designation of that fusion is. It's also coming. That might be interesting because it's in a little bit smaller category. Sure. Uh, that might be interesting. But I just I was hmm. trying to think of options. I, I do think the SS and the E90, look, those are the obvious list. I was trying to get off the obvious list. It led me a little bit into the weeds, but there we go. No, good. I'm glad you did because it, it makes for good consideration. Maybe maybe it's uh, go drive those cars and come back to the usual suspects. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, if Hamid, if you can find yourself the forty-five thousand uh, uh, dollar CTSV wagon with a six-speed, <laughs> oh. good on you, sir. Because <laughs> welcome to the ultimate family car. But uh, hey, Raul, you, know, you want to sell your car? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but I don't. I don't know that you're going to find one of those unicorns at your price point. But I just have to bring that car up because I just think, what what a baller family car right there. You know, <laughs> just roll up in that. Oh my gosh! Anyway. Can you imagine? Oh man! All right. Well, uh, before we move to car debate number two here, we wanted to mention Chicago Track Day coming up, yeah. and also pilgrimage. Chicago is uh, happening August twenty two, yep. twenty sixteen. It's a Monday, but it's going to be awesome. We've got about a dozen people coming so far. I say that. Last tally I heard was about a dozen, but you guys have been signing up and writing to us and letting us know you're signing up. Again, this is a track day for newbies as much as it is for people that want to just come and be on the track. Audubon Country Club south of Chicago is supposed to be awesome. I say supposed to be because, let's be honest, we haven't been there. We're going to discover it with you. We're partnering with a group called Laps Incorporated. Sean over there is probably going to be on our podcast, too, hopefully before we have this event. And we will do a podcast there. We'll do Cars and Coffee. I know we've been talking it up a lot, but it's getting very close. We would love to have you join us either on track or just hanging out. Please come. And then, yeah, the pilgrimage trip, Germany, Belgium, The Ring, Spa. There's a T-shirt. And it's also a heck of a trip. Oh, man. I I am uh, excited. We're we're close. We'd like a few more people to join. Please consider that. Get permission from Mm -hmm. the wife or wives if you want to go. Get permission for your husband and bring them along. 
Yes, all good. Well, that. and here's the other thing. Starting starting in uh, in August, we were going to have to bump up the price a little bit. We had kind of an early uh, early bird. <laughs> we're not getting all that early anymore, but early bird pricing, and it's going to bump up about 500 bucks. We'd love to get you in before that price bump has to happen. Right. Uh, we do have a few more people that can get in. We would love to take as many as 12. Um, we do have room for that, but the trip is it's it's coming close. It's coming quick. So yeah, keep that in mind. Check it out, everydaydriver.com, the Adventures tab, and there's also an FAQ button in there. It's a little bit hard to see, but it's if you've got questions, click the FAQ here, and that should answer mm -hmm. more of your questions and Agreed. come along with us. This is going to be, I mean, we keep saying in the trip of a lifetime, but just, yeah, put it in that category and uh, see what you can do, because we are inviting you cordially. We want you with us. Well and we keep talking about you and I keep talking about as we look at the itinerary how it's going to be more time on these tracks than you and I had making our film. Yeah. So true. I'm almost jealous of the people going. I mean, I realize we're taking them, but I'm just saying I'm almost jealous of those folks. Anyway. I mean, well, people say, "Man, I'm just I'm done. I'm sick of doing laps on the Nurburgring or Spa." I, I guess, doubt it. I I I, I guess doubt we're done it, for the day. Yeah. Have you has everybody, everybody had enough? <laughs> yeah, I guess we're done. Can you I did a couple saying? laps. I'm going to go get a coffee. Yeah, I, hear you. I don't think it's happening. <laughs> so Stephen wrote to us from North Carolina, and he's asking a crazy fun question, and that is he wants a used supercar. He's 22, uh, runs a CEO web design business, and uh, he has about $45,000 to spend. So he, this, is, this is his personal category, used supercar. I would love to know from you, Paul, what you kind of envision there. Uh, he's coming out of a Volvo C30 with a manual. And he also has a Fox Body Mustang that is his weekend fun car. So it's, he's, he's launching himself into a different category. He has a two-minute commute. So I get a sense there needs to be some baller to this car because he clearly has his weekend fun car. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious what strikes you when you start thinking used supercar or what even strikes you as a supercar at $45,000? Yeah, we need to define this. And you need to hear about Stephen. He's 22, graduated from college just recently. And he's got a job yep. in healthcare IT, as we mentioned, and he's a business owner. So congrats, you're a business owner at a young age. That's fantastic. I don't get the idea that he's selling the Volvo or the Fox Body Mustang. I never picked mm. up on that from the email here. I think this is a third in addition to these other cars. Because he's uh, saying... First world problems. Yeah, he's saying he wants you. to drive this to work two to three days a week. Well, that means yeah. he's keeping the others, and the Fox Body yeah. is probably paid for just weekend fun car. It's and it's the weekend fun bang around car. Yeah, it's it's the thing he plays with. Yeah, agreed. agreed. So I, I'm getting the idea. This is a third in addition to everything else. And Stephen, mm -hmm. you suggested to all of us listening as the 996 Turbo, Gen 3 Viper, the C6 Corvette Z06, and an E92 M3 as your choices you're considering. Yeah. In the, you know, so that gives us a, a general idea of what we're going into as far as what supercar yeah. means. So we're not talking McLaren, we're not talking Ferraris and those kinds well, of things. Well, reality has to dawn at some point. But he also mentions here, he also mentions he's, he's kind of pondered, what about an Aston Martin uh, Vantage V8, which, believe it or not, those have dropped this far. And uh, what about a Cayman S, which, of course, we bring up all the time. I want to speak to your choices that you've already listed, and I want to list a couple more. Uh, and I also, in my mind... What this needs here for Stephen is you need to have that car. Stephen's looking for that car that when he pulls up in it, person looks at it and goes, how did you afford that? And only Stephen knows it cost him forty-five grand. And they're thinking, $100,000 car, wow, how is it possible? 
he's looking for the the right side of the depreciation curve. That's what he really wants, and people can't believe he drives that car. There's a little bit of a show-off element here to this, I feel like. There um, is. There is. Which is which is fine. Look, drive a car you love, drive a car that excites you. We're all about that. But I but when I think used supercar for this kind of a uh, price point, I mean, he even acknowledges the E92 M3, he doesn't know if that qualifies as a supercar. I agree with you. I don't think it fits your list, Stephen, even though we clearly like the car. Um, 996 Turbo, that is a throwdown car. That is a throwdown car in performance. I think even more than perception, it's a throwdown car in performance. The Gen 3 Viper, I think, is wrong here. I, I, I don't. I, well, I he's go got with a two-minute commute here, which is important to mention. So yeah. this is again two to three days per work per per week to work for a two-minute commute. You could survive that in the Viper, but that's the point. You'd be surviving it. I think you'd get over that car in about 10 minutes and just I, I don't know why I bought this car and yeah. I don't see very many people driving around in Los Angeles or really hearing a bunch about people commuting in Vipers. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm completely wrong there. But Vipers are for the track and really nothing yeah. else. They're not yeah. fun, comfortable cars to just cruise in. They're not in the Corvette category in my opinion. So well, and I would even say that the C six Z zero six is is probably a little hardcore for commute uh, tactics. Yeah, and I would actually say yeah. if you've got forty five to spend, look at a C seven, because that's got that's got you know the latest greatest thing feel about it. And look, those haven't depreciated as far as they're going to go, but you can get them for forty five to fifty for sure. And those C sevens are much nicer. I feel like when you talk used supercar, it's got to feel really good inside and out. And the yeah. the the Viper doesn't pull that off, and the C six Z zero six is a is a, an aggressive car as far as the way it's sprung and everything. I don't know that that works either. Well, what you're touching on, what you mentioned about the car that that the perception is greater than the reality, the car mm-hmm. that people go, "Wow, you drive that," and they're thinking hundred thousand dollar car. I think that's key. And I think it's key. Snickering under his breath, he's going, "You wouldn't believe what I've scooped this up for." And yeah, I think that's a it's got to be the element here. I also didn't get the idea from the email that this has to be the typical track kind of car, or you know, more of a race car in disguise, or something like that. No, I don't, so I don't think so either. Yeah, and yeah. so that helped me with my decision making here by thinking of this other choice. Well, I've got three, okay. but the main choice. Well, two choices. I keep going up. All right. I'll, I'll get <laughs> okay, there. Go. I'll get there. Go, go. I've got a couple as well, so keep going. So $45,000. That's not nothing, but that isn't nope. what we typically think is supercars. But it is enough to get you into something if that is that perception kind of car. I had this with the Porsche 928. When, mm. <clears throat> my, my first Porsche. <clears throat> <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. New from Hasbro, my first Porsche. Anyway, yeah, like go on. my first Sony. Hey, kids. yeah, stop. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it looks so good. People thought, oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. bought it for nineteen thousand dollars. But people yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. and that was an eighty thousand dollar car, new in the eighties, and people mm-hmm. just, you know, it, it's got that baller look to it. So yeah, I started at the twenty fourteen Camaro ZL one. It's a car that we've recommended before. We're very impressed with this car on track. Loads of power. Okay. But I'm not convinced. I'm I'm not convinced by my own choice. 
Yeah, I, I don't know that that has a supercar feel about it, but keep going. It's a super driving car. It doesn't have super sure. handling. Sure, sure, I agree with that. I agree with that. But people are going to go, oh, that's a rental Camaro. I mean, that's the thing. Right. Most people don't realize the difference, you know? There's, you know, the, the kinds of cars that start at the top end and depreciate in price dramatically, or the kinds of, you know, that was a, that could be a rental car, but it's gussied up like a Camaro yeah. or a Mustang. That's or, the tough part. Yep. You yep. know, and you think, oh, okay, well, it's just a whatever underneath. I don't want that perception for you because I believe that's not what you're asking for. So then my mind wandered over here to a 2011 or 2012 Avora, Lotus Avora that we've talked about. Thank you. Thank you. Those are I 45 grand. A, well, yeah, that's that's very conspicuously missing on this list. <clears throat> Because that yeah. car looks like a supercar. It absolutely does. That, that You have no oh, yeah. idea. A lot of yeah. people haven't even seen one on the road. Those cars are rare enough. A lot of people have never even seen one rolling. And <laughs> yeah, that car does this all day long. So then my mind kept wandering. I, I was That got better. That started to check some boxes. But my mm-hmm. mind kept mm-hmm. wandering. And my mind wandered to Florida. So, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was there a hurricane or what? Uh, what? Sorry, keep going. No, no, Stephen. What I'm suggesting for you is a car that I found here for you. It's bang on forty-five thousand dollars. All right. Down from a seller in Boca Raton, Florida. That should tell you everything. Okay. All right. Welcome to your 2008 BMW M6. Now, hmm. the reason it's exotic is because of the engine. This is the S85 engine from BMW that has sort of sniffing distance to the Formula One BMWs. When they were involved in their Formula One program, this is an almost 9,000 redline, RPM Hmm. redline, revving engine. So 8250 is where it redlines. From a V10, this thing sounds, when you wind it out, it sounds like an F1 car. This owner in Boca Raton is asking $45,000 with only 10,000 miles on this car. It's wow. sad. Wow. Okay. So if you yeah. have any fears yeah, yeah. about, ooh, maintenance and, oh, it's just kind of, you know, high mileage, whatever. No, 10,000 miles is barely broken in. Hmm. 08 yeah. Yeah, yeah. M6. Because it's not the M5. I thought of the M5 as well from that... Uh, from that era, so that'd the, be the, the six. The six is is sexier in this the, regard. I agree with it. Has because yeah. the M five, as awesome as they are, they're a big sedan. It doesn't say supercar at all as, as a big sedan. I see that point. Right. So this is the E sixty M five or E sixty three M six. Both of those cars have the same V ten, and that mm-hmm, is a luxurious. Mm-hmm. That was a hundred thousand dollar car new. Yeah. And it yeah. still has that perception. Even even better is when you see this car. It looks brand new, and you think, holy cow. This yeah. thing is a baller car. It's got to have that feel, and the M6 has that feel to me. And hmm. therefore, it's not the, you know, it's not a Z06, but it doesn't need to yeah. be. This is the, man, the performance is still going to be quite well, good on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that you actually mentioned, Stephen, the Aston Martin Vantage, because I think it and the Evora kind of rule <laughs> this list. As far as cars that just look like supercars, people don't realize have depreciated this far. Right. Uh, follow follow what Doug DeMuro is doing because, of course, he's bought a used Vantage and is talking about the running costs. And there is that difference. Paul and I talk about it a lot. There is a difference between can you afford the car versus can you afford to own the car. Right. And the second step of that right. is what does it need to keep it on the road? Now, you're not going to drive it a ton that Vantage might be fine, and you know I know Doug's had his issues. I've also known Vantage owners that have not had issues. So, you know, I mean, there is that that perception. It's a mixed it bag. Be your in only... those cars, I feel like. A little well, bit. there and there isn't. 
there isn't going to be you know isn't going to be your only car either. I think look, I'm a big fan of the Vantage, and my only critiques on the Vantage are just that it's not massively hair on fire. But you don't want that. You're not looking for that. So problem solved. Hmm. You know, right, right. The the Vora is great. And also, if you want to, another place you could go that I thought of, Jaguar F Type. These have come down that far. Unfortunately, this is first uh, first year convertibles. Pretty much, the coupes haven't dropped that far. The coupes are running like fifty five still. Kind of prefer but the, coupe, the but yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I do too. But the convertibles, which are far from an unattractive car and far from a bad driving car, you can get those cars at forty five. <laughs> Baby, so you are the, far from unattractive. Do these pants make you, my butt look big? No, wow, you are stop, far stop, from stop, stop. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the F type F type convertible, come on. That's a really cool car. So those are my three. Vantage, Evora, F type. I think one of those fits the bill. I like the F type. Can you really get those for forty five? You can. The convertibles, you can. I mean the I, I far prefer the coupe, but I'm just a guy I prefer coupes over convertibles anyway. But uh yeah, that's they're out there. They're out there for sure. Steven, I went looking for an Alpha Romeo four C for you. Because that mm. is a little exotic. That does yes, it make is. you That's a great feel one. That's like a great you're driving one. exotic. But they're not $45,000 yet, yeah. unfortunately. I mean, that, what, are they, what are they running? What are you finding? Oh, they're still fifth, above 50. Easy. 50, 55 would yeah. be my guess. Yeah, yeah. they're still yeah, yeah. in that yeah. range. Okay. Right. And they're not easy to find, but there are a few out there. But you're right. They'll say it. I mean, look, you even mentioned the Cayman, Stephen. And, and you know, as much as we like to love on the Cayman, the truth is... The average person looks at a Cayman and sees a lesser 911. They're they're fantastic cars. <laughs> the Cayman driver just, knows that they're wrong. But... They're but they're just not baller enough, honestly, to fit in the supercar category. No, I, I just no, I agree. They aren't. I agree. They're incredible cars, but they don't fit. Facebook onwards. Oh yeah. Yes. As as always, you guys have given us a ton of good Facebook questions. I actually wrote down four, or no five, uh, but. Uh, can I can I jump in with John Hintz's question? Please, I please. I think so, it's hilarious. So John John Hintz writes in, "What will it take to get Carlos on the podcast full time?" John, my friend, um, I think you're writing to the wrong podcast. In the last week or so, our friend Carlos Lago was on Smoking Tire podcast. I will admit it was an excellent episode. We like Matt and Smoking Tire. In fact, we're going to be on there in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlos is always a great guest. Carlos knows us. We would love to have Carlos on our podcast. However, Carlos has not yet been on the Everyday Driver Car Debate. He was just on Smoking Tire. Uh, you may want to follow up with Matt and those guys about how to get Carlos on their podcast full time. I don't think it's going to happen since he's with Motor Trend, but hopefully uh, Carlos will join us at some point, and then we can debate whether or not he can be on here full time. But for the moment, or maybe you're projecting. Maybe you know he's going to be on and he's going to be great. Maybe yeah. that's where this is going. Maybe uh, maybe I'm 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 the guy here that doesn't get it. You're the I don't last know, but, to but, know. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? I, apparently, apparently, like four weeks from now, Carlos is going to be on the podcast. He's going to be amazing. So much so that you and I are going to be like, well, let's just get that guy on. Well, so anyway, thanks happen. for the for – the, what, what I like about this, though, is that John asking about Carlos on the podcast is reminding me that I've been wanting to reach out to him. So hopefully we'll make that happen. Or he might just say, show me the money, and that's how to make him on the podcast here full time. If there you go. If that yeah, happens, then – Because we're good. rolling in dough, clearly. We have, we have all difficult. kinds of – all kinds of yeah. motor trend budget going on over here. Yeah, huh? No, funny question. I like it. We just need him on the first time, and then we'll see about subsequent And then we times. can debate it. Yes, agreed. Then, agreed. But yes, when and if, Carlos, you've got to bring your A game. You've got to bring the car suggestions, and we will all debate People together. are expecting, expecting big yeah. things from you, Carlos. Yes. <laughs> Already, and you don't even know it. 
but maybe you do. All right, we'll see. Ah, yeah, yeah. Moving on to what's my favorite question here is Dan Corwin from. Uh, well, I'm not sure where he's from, but he's asking what. <laughs> uh, what are some things that other drivers do that you absolutely hate? Mm-hmm. Looking at my watch here, how much time do we have, Dan? Yeah, we don't have that much time. All right. I actually, I've got a lot of kind of standard listings, but I thought of one that is my new all-time favorite driving pet peeve that I want to bring up. But what, but what struck you on this? Oh, a new one. Well, the biggest one that I have are on-ramps, freeway on-ramps. Yeah. And yeah. that is the 30 to 40 miles per hour kind of boop 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 I'm just mm-hmm. waiting to get to the freeway. The freeway is coming up at some point. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, freeway. And yeah. then they nail it. The entire point of a freeway on-ramp is to get up to speed. <laughs> Everybody listening knows yep. this. I don't have to explain this. Yeah. It's the yeah. fun part of my day. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> yeah, agreed. How dare you? Agreed. This, this is, is where the best part no of my commute drive. Please don't steal it. Yeah, I hear you. I, I have you. never seen a speed limit sign on the on-ramp. Just after. Yes, everywhere. But on the on-ramp, yeah. I, would, I love braking hard when I enter the freeway. That's the <laughs> whole point of the Breaking on-ramp. Breaking to merge with traffic. Yes, I agree with you. I, I totally agree. I mean, you're coming well, down off 80 or 90 or 100 and then smoothly merging in. That's the best but part if of any, my day. But if anybody breaks to have, to have to get you on the freeway, which it typically is those, I mean, I feel sorry for the 18-wheeler drivers because they're the ones in that lane most of the time. Well, yes. If they have to break to accommodate you or change lanes at the last minute, you've done it wrong. <laughs> you've done it wrong. You Seriously. should be able to smoothly merge, just get around the, the trailers. Oh, by the way, don't hang out next to the trucks. They can't see you. They kick up rocks. Nobody else can get yeah. around you. Uh, all right, this is spawning more pet peeves in my mind oh yeah but, but what's your I, new I, one i know you you could go for a while here's the thing i could i could speak to some of the standard problems you know the left lane sitters and the bad mergers and the people that hang out by trucks and just general obliviousness is a problem but when <laughs> i moved to utah i just seriously when i moved well side note sorry on obliviousness i was walking through a mall in los angeles one day okay talk about obliviousness this this applies to driving too randomly because i've seen people drive this way if you watch the show and you follow it along i am not a small person <laughs> I'm a fairly large person. Yeah, I'm not guy. a person that gets ignored often because I'm just kind of large. Okay? So I'm not I'm invisible walking, here, people. I'm walking along in a mall, and a woman that maybe was five feet tall walked out of a store at a direct perpendicular to me and ran into the side of me. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that took effort. You had, And this was actually pre-smartphone. So it wasn't like she was looking down at her smartphone. I don't know where she was, but she walked into my shoulder. Her head hit me just above the elbow. This is how small this woman was. Oh, my gosh. And I remember looking at her like, how, what was the chain of events that led to you running into a person? Anyway, but that's actually, I'm off, I'm off base. My, my current ultimate driving pet peeve, I had never actually seen happen until I moved to Utah. And I I don't understand why it exists here, but this one, besides being a pet peeve, is one of the ones that that I don't really succumb to road rage. When this happens, I get incensed because it just strikes me as staggeringly dangerous. I don't think I've ever seen it incensed. People that break break check the people behind them. Oh, yeah. If you're if you're if you're driving, I don't care what lane you're driving in, if the person behind you is driving close enough that it makes you nervous, pull over. Okay? Yeah. The last thing you should do is hit your brakes to try to get them to back off like you're being some sort of weird bully. Because if that goes wrong, that goes terribly wrong. 
for everybody involved. That is yeah, for everybody that's a involved. Terrible decision. I've and seen you, it in traffic. Yeah. I've seen it at freeway speeds. I just I've seen it happen to me. I've seen it happen to others. It's a Utah disease. I don't know why. I'm sure it happens in other states, but I never saw it once in Los Angeles, and I have seen it multiple times in Utah. And I actually was talking one day randomly to somebody, and this girl in the conversation was talking about how, well, you know, I only break check the people that are too close. And I thought, no, 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 you never break check. That is the wrong answer. Well, I can definitely tell you, you know, having jumped back and forth between Utah and L.A. frequently, the... Yeah spatial distance that is allowable and that people are comfortable with is dramatically true. different. And I've noticed true. Oh, absolutely true. being a Utah now, I do like my space. And it kind of makes me yeah. a little bit, you know, the hairs on my neck stand up and I think, you're too close back there. There's just no reason. But there's space. There is, there's not traffic in, I mean, there's a little bit in Salt Lake, but there's just not traffic in Utah. Yeah. And people aren't used to that. Whereas the the spatial comfort zone, the bubble that people are used to in L.A. is such that it won't allow another car in. And mm-hmm. that's what everybody does, of course, who admits to speeding up and not letting the car next to you in because you know, you know, they're going to go well, slow but, in front of you. But still. But you and I... You and I both lived in L.A. long enough to know that if you leave two car lengths between you and the car in front of you on the freeway, a car will fill it. That's an engraved invitation right there. Two uh, car absolutely. lengths? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. People will it's dive into that. So people tailgate just enough, just far. But I will say it creates this road train of people just jamming. And in the, in the number one lane, that does mean that lane's faster. People are just, come on, let's get on it. Let's, we've got places yeah. to go. Yeah. And you but, get somewhere. Speaking. I'm telling you, brake checking, just the, mm-hmm. the sheer danger of that astounds me. Mm-hmm. Astounds me. And, and look, obviously, obviously, I'm a guy that likes to drive fast. But when I drive fast, I pick a location that's not, not traffic, by the way. Pick a location where if it all goes awry, I will be the one that's in danger. I'm not taking anybody with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're yeah. brake checking, it, it's, the, it's you, the person behind you, and whoever else the two of you hit after you collide. I mean, that's just and, all and bad. And it escalates from there. You think that's the pinnacle. Absolutely. It, it only escalates Absolutely. on from there, which is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is bad. Yeah, yeah. Didn't mean to get so incensed over that, Dan, but I'm telling you, that's the one right now that I just, that's, that's the shortest road to, uh, to road rage for me. But moving on. I knew we could find a rant somewhere deep inside you for this podcast. Yes. I, I knew yeah, we could I don't do have to it. be pushed very far. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really short trip. We rejoice. Yeah. We did it. We, we did it. We pulled one off. <laughs> okay. You should be happy. What else do you have? <laughs> Yay, I got to rant. Uh, yeah, keep going. Uh, what else? Uh, which car, past or present, has the most intimidating front face? Question from Alex Mataloni, and he mm. asks if you were on a Canyon Drive and saw this car speeding up behind you, would you just get over? So, in other words, mm. is there a car that just kind of whoa? I I know this car that just I got to get over. Current BMWs, okay. the current BMW front fascia on mm-hmm. their aggressive M cars, that's pretty yeah. mean looking. That's angry. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Seeing those cars come up behind me pretty hot. And I will say, any pretty new Porsche, and funny enough, I grew up playing this game with myself about if I could identify cars at night by their headlight signature. I got pretty good at it. Yeah. And yeah, yeah even at night. So not even during the day, and you see them, you know, how far away can you identify a car, what that is? And I still play that mm. game with myself, you know, what oncoming yeah. traffic. Yeah, yeah. 
What is that crazy look? That's a Corva Panama. Nope, that's a Kia. Huh. Got that wrong. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know? that listing did not go where I expected. Yeah. No, so I still play this game, but then, you know, I, which means I easily recognize cars, probably more than most drivers, coming up behind yeah. me hot. But you can tell by the attitude of the car and by how quickly it's driven, you can kind of tell it's like, all right, you're slower, get out. But those, those uh, M cars, the current M cars, are really, really aggressive, low, squinty, wide, very mm -hmm. yeah, angry to that. me. I, I don't see many other cars in that category right now. Um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. What about you? Interesting. Well, I, I, I will not be as good at this as you are. Um, I actually do feel like that the front ends of the Dodge Chargers uh, and Challengers have been menacing kind of for the whole century here. I mean, the, the, since the 2000s when they resurrected That's those true. cars. Cop lights prior gen, Exactly. With or without cop lights. I totally agree. I, I think that's been a really a car with some serious menace. Uh, so I, I definitely think that. And then I think some of the some of the Ferrari front engine cars look really angry. Yeah. yeah. Like the 599s and the F12s and the FFs. I mean, those are really angry from the front. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, the Ferrari badge makes me go, okay, I ought to get over and give you some space. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would say those as well. I don't, I, I hadn't really, nothing really struck me on this, but as we're talking, those are the ones that came to mind. Interesting. All right, all right, good. What else is on your list? Uh, let's see. Uh, Nick Taylor says, what do you think about adding an LSD to cars like the M235i? Or to put it another way, if a car does not have a limited slip diff, do we think it's vital to put it on there? Um, look, Nick, the limited slip diff... <laughs> you're causing rant number three for the same podcast. Yeah, exactly. You have no <laughs> idea what you've done. Here comes more ranting. Brace oh. for more ranting. Seatbelts fastened. <laughs> no, here, here's the thing. The limited slip diff has become a holy grail thing that when you see it on a build sheet for a car, that car must be awesome. But I'm going to say two things to you. Lotus Elise and the McLaren lineup, mm. neither of which have ever – nobody has ever said those cars don't handle well, and they don't have LSDs. Well, they don't. So it is not an end-all, be-all. I think the question comes down to how are you using this car? I mean, guys that autocross a lot. I'll give you a great example. Guys that autocross Elise's a lot sometimes put LSDs in their cars. But guys that don't mm -hmm. autocross them and just track them, they're all going, why would I do that? It doesn't need it. <laughs> so it's a real question of how you're going to use it. If you were going to be driving it in the winter, it can be helpful to have an LSD. But this is not an end-all, be-all. It's not, well, it doesn't have one, so this car can't be good. I must put one in. Stop. Not necessary. Not necessary. Yeah. Go drive the car because a lot of times cars without them are still great. I've had people tell me that, well, the Miatas without LSDs are terrible. Have you driven a Miata? I mean, come on. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. And where have you driven it and how? You know, were you tracking the car or were you just on your favorite road and... You know, you're at six tenths. I mean, of look, the performance out of this car. They are they are cool. They are helpful. Look, the FRS has one. I like them, but I do feel like there's this growing internet uh, demeanor that well, it doesn't have LSD. It's got to be terrible. And I do. I come back to McLaren and Lotus Elise and go hello. Oh, those are good ones. Those are good ones. And yeah, it doesn't. Uh, just like we say, the badge on the hood shouldn't affect how you like the car in terms of dynamics. Because there are cars that are going to surprise you. You keep telling me you get back in your FRS and you smile and you go, "Yeah, I still really like my car. This is awesome." Yeah, I mean, you know, we go drive some fun stuff and you're yeah. going, 
this is still cool. This still speaks to me, As which I like. I really like to hear that. Agree. Well, that's the thing we want for everybody listening, too. I mean, we want you to have a car that, that look, you're always going to lust after something else. And, and I am in no way saying the FRS is perfect. I could go on a, a, another rant. Which, which rant? I've run out of numbers of which rant this is. But about things about the FRS that I don't like. <laughs> but it doesn't take away the fact that when I get to go drive that car for fun or I get out of another fun car into it, I keep going, yeah, pretty cool car, which we mm-hmm. want you to feel that same way. Could we turn an entire podcast into rants of yours? Sadly, we could, and I don't know that anyone would like that. But yes, I'm sure we could. It'd be the three-hour podcast. Yeah, it's 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 all bad. And it's all people bad. would know where to poke. You know, they know where your goat's tied. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. it's all bad. Again. Anything else you have? We probably should close this down soon before I rant again. <laughs> There's a lot. Oh, man. All right, one quick one. Adam Metzger, automated rev matching in a manual transmission. Mm-hmm. Is this awesomeness? Or does this mean, you know, everything is going to implode soon and the end is nigh? I think it's teaching a generation of drivers what that feels like, Adam. I think having Hmm. that option but being able to turn it off is instructive to a point. And it's instructing drivers to feel what this is like. It's as if, imagine a piano, a player piano, the automated pianos that play for you, play your favorite song. Yeah. Now imagine trying to play along with that piano. It's teaching you to a point. I suppose. But then yeah. at some point, you want to put your own inflection and your own tempo to the music. Mm-hmm. That's just teaching you what the keys and the notes are. And now make your own music. So the card feels different when it's downshifting and you feel that and you hear it. All those things combined teach you what this car is going to feel like when you do this and what it feels like mm-hmm. to do properly. Because yeah. it's never going to do it improperly. Computers will take care of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then being able to turn that off and then you go after it and you try to match that yourself, you're going to do it a little bit differently. You might do it sooner. It'll teach you. You might but do it I worse. Like the yeah. idea to, 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 <laughs> you might do it a lot worse. Yeah, but exactly. okay. Well, you, you've, you've touched on a key thing about it for me. I, I actually think it's great technology if it has an off button. And, you know, right. I've, we, we've driven right. it in the, the 370Z. We've driven it in the C7 Corvette. Both of those in a track situation, you can turn that on, and it actually helps you. You're faster. You're still driving a manual. It's like it's like a, a middle ground between how fast a dual clutch is versus the enjoyment of driving the manual and getting it right. It's, it's like a bridge right. in that regard. Right. And on a track situation, I think it's great. But that off button is key, and you, we've got an M2 uh, discussion coming up soon. And you know, I'm sure many of you have already seen stuff about the M2, but the M2, the only way to turn off the rev match feature is to turn off all safety features completely. And now it's off. It's like, wait yeah, a minute, wait, 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 wait. Why, isn't, why isn't that just a separate off thing? Why, why not? Why wouldn't you do that? That's the thing about it that I don't like at all, because if you can't just turn it off, then it, it's genuinely, I think, it's, it's not taking us down a good path. Having the option, I think it's pretty cool. Thank you guys so much for listening and for staying with us for the entire hour. Wow, just over an hour. Look at yep, that. Yep. We keep getting longer and longer. That may be a good thing. That might be a bad thing. But hopefully, I, we, this we've fits got to rein it in. Yeah, less ranting from me. <laughs> we would do. Be key. We do. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys. As I said, go check out the Chicago Track Day. We want you with us there. Come, even if you're not putting your car on track, and the pilgrimage adventure in Germany and Belgium. That is going to be epic. So we want you with us. Really, really looking forward to that. And in the meantime, until the next time, we'll talk to you soon.